friends, welcome to another episode of the Ten Laws Podcast with East Forest. I'm East Forest, and I'm coming to you from southern Utah. I, I made it down here with Rada and her kids, and it feels so good. It feels really good to be back. It feels good to be held by this land. I was away all winter. I was always planning on coming back around the beginning of April, but uh, you know, I wasn't sure how things were going to pan out, and this actually feels like the perfect place to be right now. So we just kind of beelined it down here, hardly made any stops, just some gas, and arrived. So we've been out hiking and just enjoying the landscape, chopping wood for the sauna, homeschooling the kids, a lot of that being outdoors, which has been good. Uh, before I say anything else, this this week we have an episode with Dr. Dan Engel. He's been on before on the East Forest podcast, and I want to bring him back because he's a cool guy. But in addition to that, you know, I just wanted to get his perspective uh, from sort of a complete whole wellness angle of going through these COVIDian times as they were. So um, we had a really great conversation about that, and I think you will enjoy it. Um, I released that meditation, the one that I was telling you about that was on the podcast, the Meditation for Chaotic Times, and I decided to put it out on the streaming platform. So now it's out there on on Spotify and and iTunes, and a lot of people hadn't heard it from the podcast. So I wanted to see what it might be like to put a guided meditation out on what are essentially our music platforms. And so far, it seems that people are enjoying that. I really appreciate everyone who's been sharing it and sending messages, whether that's on Instagram or or. Uh, the other socials, Facebook, Twitter, blah, 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 or emails. Uh, I've gotten some nice emails about that. So I'm glad that's that seems to be helping. I'll probably be doing more things like that in the future. And at some point, it'd be fun to like make a meditation album. And I think maybe I'd do that in reverse, like release them as singles and then eventually release something like that. But we'll see. Um, thanks for giving the podcast a review. You can do it right now. We're, we're cracking up there slowly every episode. We get a couple more. You can do it while I'm talking. You just go back to like the main page of the podcast. This is on Apple Podcasts. Give it five stars. It means a lot. If you want to write a review, great. You don't have to. Just doing the five stars. Uh, you can do it more than once, I believe, is really helpful. And it helps me get uh, guests like Dr. Dan. And I've got a lot of other amazing guests coming up for you in the queue already. So I'm very excited about the capital we have to be able to have these even better and better and just more conversations, just expanding the story outward. Um, before I get into I want to read you a quick paragraph from an email that I received. And this is from uh, someone named Bayo Akomolafe. And I'm probably getting that wrong, but I actually haven't spoken to him yet. He's someone that I reached out to, an author, and I was admiring his work to be on the podcast. And we were kind of going back and forth about it, and all this stuff happened with, with uh, COVID. He's Nigerian. I think he's living in London, right? Or maybe India. I don't know. I think he's in India right now. But I wanted to read you an email that he wrote me back. And this is this is just like an email about um, scheduling, essentially, right? And this is not what you typically receive in the graciousness of an email. But I've actually read this to a couple of friends, this paragraph, because something about what and how he's saying it, like the poetry of what he's saying, is speaking to me about something larger about these times. So... He writes me uh, and he says, Dear brother, additional shifts. We just got quarantined. In addition to the general lockdown in India, they deciphered I was a frequent flyer and splashed a label on our home, banning anyone from coming in and anyone from going out. 
I might find I need more time to be grounded before coming up to talk with you. These COVID days, I'm not as lucid or as clear-minded as I would like to be. Suddenly sweeping, washing dishes, changing diapers, bathing the kids, cooking meals, cleaning the floor. These are my theory-making work. It is as if I fell down to earth, away from the headiness of the clouds, of airports and audiences, and into the serenading sleep of the ordinary. My body wants to go along with this, to be home for a while, to learn how to play with my children, to realign my neurons away from the stability of being away all the time. I found that to be very beautiful, what he wrote. And as I said, that's the most gracious, like, rescheduling email I've ever received. So um, first, thank you. Thank you to him. And uh, I'm really looking forward to getting him on. But there's something in there that I'm almost, I can't put my finger on because it's like the words, just like music does this, it dances around a larger meaning. And I, I don't know about you, but a lot of us are looking for answers right now. Like, what is this happening, this great happening that's happening? And we don't fully know. There's lots of ideas about that. And, uh, you know, people are, are writing interesting responses to that right now online. Essays and uh, conversations happening. And it's happening inside my own mind and inside my own heart. But the truth is, I don't fully know. But there is a part of me that knows, like knows with a capital K, and something that Bayo was writing about uh, was speaking to that. It, it was like a, it was, it was in harmony with the song that I'm singing too. That I don't know all the words to yet. And it's, I can say this: what I'm noticing is that when other things are stripped away, and the foundations are rocked. Uh, Speaking to that, we had an earthquake last week. But uh, when the foundations are, like the rug is pulled out, the things you hold most dear that are closest to you are what you start to appreciate the most. Um, the sunshine, as I'm outside chopping wood the other day here. Um, my loved ones, my family, my partner, uh, my, my creativity, how I feel inspired at times. Like these are the things that become so close to me because... The other things that really were a lot of them were mental projections in a way most of the time in our heads aren't aren't there. The stability is is shaken. And so there's sort of an, a realignment that feels like it's happening with the now and a realignment with that which is near and being held by the things closest to us. Um, so that's sort of what's been going on for me. And um, I feel like things are continuing to accelerate in our, our country in this, as Rada puts it, a slow-moving uh, disaster in a way or so, something like that, she said. <laughs> but, um, but there's also uh, we're, there's a settling as we're all starting to accept a kind of death that's occurring. And we have to, the more we can accept that and midwife the death, uh, in a sense, the easier it becomes to allow the river to flow that's needing to flow. And the kind of action that's wanting to come out of this, I don't know what that is yet. You know, certainly we've been needing a realignment of our culture for a very long time. And this is something that's been spoken about and talked about, but not been the mainstream story. You know, the mainstream story that we're going to solve this with like our major political, like, you know, Joe Biden. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, we're, you know, it's moving in the right direction. It's moving the ship, but uh, we need to do some pretty big things to survive as a people, or at least make some pretty significant changes. And now we're being forced to make some changes. And what comes out of the ashes of this, I don't know. 
I don't know, but I know uh, we're all here as humans doing this together, and I'll continue to sing the songs and to sing my own self through it and to sing around the mystery and as we as we move through the mystery. Speaking of earthquakes, we actually had an earthquake I was, uh, right before we left here for, for Boulder. I was sitting in the studio in, in Boise, and the whole building started shaking. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. I didn't even know there were earthquakes. And I was like, of course, I'm thinking it's like, oh, Yellowstone is blown. This is it. It's the end of the world. Um, it was very primal. It was a very primal, scary experience, and especially like on top of everything else that's been going on. It was really just kind of unbelievable that that was happening at the same time. Um, I don't know what to make of it. I'm just grateful that it was a 6.5, which is significant, but I think it was just under significant enough to do any significant damage, if that makes any sense. So thankfully, most things were okay, and we kind of just continued on. But wow, wow, that was just taking things to a completely, entirely different level. And uh, that happened. Lastly, I just want to say thanks to everyone who tuned in for the last live stream that was on YouTube. It was a Music for Mushrooms live. That was a really awesome experience. Uh, also, the people who came into the uh, East Forest Council experience, thanks again. We'll be doing more of that stuff. Um, I'm trying to figure out ways to be streaming to multiple platforms at once and looking at there's all these different options coming up and people you know out there helping. So I'm exploring that and definitely will be doing more. So stay tuned. Uh, looks like I'm doing a concert on April 19th online as part of with Ramdas Love Server Member Foundation. That's going to be a live stream of a lot of Ramdas music. I don't have all the details on that and where it'll be and all that stuff, but get on the mailing list or check back on the website or socials and I'll put it up when I have it from them. Um, yeah, my friends, let's just dive into this. This is my conversation with Dr. Dan Engel. Well, thanks for, thanks for chatting. You know, obviously there's so much shit going on and <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> how, first off, how are you doing? Are you in Colorado? Yeah, we're in Boulder. Doing really well. Yeah. Uh, you know, hunker down. Well, I just see it's such a, such a dynamic time in human history. I mean, this, Indeed. This, this has never happened, at least in our lifetimes, our parents' lifetimes, and likely our grandparents' lifetimes. And, and it's so, the effects of it, like economically, the way it's so globalized and information is so globalized, that makes it unique in itself. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And... Wow, we're having a very different conversation than we would have even been having a month ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this I is guess. March 31st for those whenever people are listening. Right. 2020. Because if it was tomorrow, it would be uh, new information on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Hour by hour, new information. So <laughs> it's like one big ceremony where Indeed. we get the opportunity to slow down, take a breath center ourselves, work on anchoring our nervous system, get the best information that we can, be around loved ones in some kind of capacity, you know, whether they're lived in loved ones so we can be in close proximity or we're connected to virtual loved ones because we need to have that social connection even in the midst of social distancing. And then how do we 
how do we optimize our bodies, our minds, our souls? Yeah, it's fascinating, man. It's a fascinating time. So we're in Boulder, beautiful sunny day. Um, I wish I was actually spending a bit more time in nature. I just tore my MCL, so I'm a bit hobbly these oh, days. <laughs> and so that's a that's another big uh, just process of because typically activity and exercise is my natural antidepressant and stress reliever. So it's mm-hmm. really it's really allowed me to practice more diligently meditation calm mind start to listen to people whether it's books i haven't read in a while or audio casts or just information from people that i find really inspiring this is this is like a grand game how do we keep our attitude optimized in the midst of crisis yeah inspiration is a key point i mean pretty much everyone that I know, and even people, they're being really vulnerable and saying this, but everyone's like, there's been a point where there's been a bit of a freak out at some mm-hmm. point, you know? So no one's been like, and I've had several people who thought like, they're like, I'm doing pretty good now. Like, I feel pretty good. But they're like, I've had some moments. Yeah, <laughs> like, And I have too, uh, particularly early on. And, and then just living in all this unknown on mm-hmm. a business level, on a personal level, on an emotional level on a health level. Mm. Um, it's a difficult thing when the reality we're facing is they're like, well, basically most people will get this. It's just a matter of when, you know, so can we stretch it out? But everyone will get it, the kind of thing, or a lot of people. And to me, when it's like, when they talk about 60% or 50%, I mean, what, I don't understand what stops it from coming to the other 40%. Like what's so special about them that they somehow can't contract this wildly contagious virus that appears to be airborne at this point, you know, from, do you hear about that choir practice? I did hear about that, which is just, you know, horrendous from the person who set it up and had everybody come in. And then the other people who said, yeah, sure, let's do it. Cause we want to pray together. We want to sing together. We want to lift up our spirits together, Mm -hmm. which sounds like a really compelling, inspirational intention to have. And then- for that to be the outcome, it's notable that um, this this virus doesn't know boundaries, it doesn't know borders, it doesn't know socioeconomic demographics, it doesn't care. And it's also curious to know, I mean, there's so many things we don't know about it. We don't know where it came from. We're barely starting to understand how it works in the system. I don't understand that. Why is that, that we can't understand the basics of how this is transmitted and so forth? Well, it's it's super challenging to know where we're getting our information from is the most reliable. Mm-hmm. And is that information filtered through anybody else's agendas? Is it pulling any punches? Is it leaving anything out? If this was an engineered virus, was that for a particular reason? Uh, if this virus did jump, from species to species, does that have a different narrative and a different potential outcome? I've heard it both in both directions, the coronaviruses in general. There are many viruses that are coronaviruses that, that we're familiar with and that are familiar to our system, but this seems to be different. So, and that's part of the contagion. Is it because it's wreaking havoc on our system because it's never been in a human system before? And that's because it's been in a 
different, like the avian bird flu, a jump from bird to human, right? Other, the pig swine flu or the swine flu epidemic that jumped from pig to human. Yeah. Yeah. Those have now landing in a human system and a human ecosystem, it is going to react differently. And our systems are going to react differently because it's totally new. If it's an engineered virus, the same kind of thing. So it's here. It sounds like it's here to stay. And the infection rate and the contagion rate really depends on a lot of factors. Depends on our own innate immune system and the, the vitality of our immune system. Other things that we're taking to support it and to increase its um, barrier, so to speak, or the, the integrity of that barrier. And that barrier is not that barrier is not just physiologic. That barrier is also psychologic and psychospiritual and metaphysical. So where are our thoughts? Because we know our thoughts contribute to the organization of our physiology and our attitudes. So there are things that we can do to up level. And, and you're talking about inspiration. Inspiration is one of the highest energy states that we can experience. And if we're just looking at like cellular physiology. We know that the electronic valence of a given cell in cancer is orders of magnitude lower than the ideal or optimal electronic valence. So like the millivolt potential, the healthy cells like 50 to 60 cancer cells or even 60 to 80 kind of depends on what research you look at. But cancer cells are like 10 to 15. So it's a much lower energetic valence or like um, physiologic optimal read and inspiration is one of those things that feels really good. There's a reason that it feels good in the system because that's what's happening mm. on a cellular level too. So if we can stay inspired, stay optimistic, stay curious, stay in an empowered place, that definitely helps the integrity of the immune system. And that just helps us feel good while we're trying to move through an individual and cultural crisis <laughs> together. Do you, do you think that the people who are asymptomatic or have lighter symptoms has that to do more with the strength of their immune system or the the amount of the virus they were exposed to? Or like, are there now like substrains of the virus, like one's more virulent than another? I think all those points are good ones. Um, and, and truth be known, immunology is not my area of specialization. Um, I've certainly read a lot. I, I, you, we, we're, we take a lot of microbiology and a lot of immunotherapy classes in medical school. My, my focus and area of um, specialization is in psychiatry and neurology. So I'm always curious about the, the overlap between hardware and software, the brain and the mind or physiology and our thought fields and how we get to bridge science between different disciplines in order to know what creates the most well-rounded, optimal human experience. And so your points are all good one, which is, um, this is a new virus. So it's, it's hard. Some of the usual rules are going to apply and, and many of the previous rules won't apply or there, we may need to pivot and the virus might be pivoting right now. And that's what happens. It goes through its own morphology and its own evolution. So there can be substrains. Um, viral load is always an indicator. So mm. it might be easier to shake off a contagion if you're just around one person who has it. But if you're around a fleet of people that have it, that's probably a little harder to do. Uh, 30 to 40% of people somewhere around those numbers are asymptomatic carriers and don't even know that they have it. That's which is crazy. Another, 
which is another <laughs> challenging thing because you're around people are like, oh yeah, I feel great. I haven't had any symptoms. I've also been pretty much in quarantine, but you don't know <laughs> if that's the truth. So it's, it is this really wild time. And we do know that those that have been getting sicker tend to be older, tend to be immunocompromised, but there are exceptions to that rule too. Right. So it's, I, I don't think there's an, there's a, a, a clear demarcation at which when you say, if you were to do a data pool, like what do your biometrics look like, your psychometrics, your neurometrics, like all these data points. And if we were to do an exhaustive like data pool and then put it into a quantitative scale, like zero to hundred, well, if you've got enough points, 50 to a hundred, then you won't get it. But at 49 and below, you're going to get it. And those points would look like, how's your sleep? How's your immune system historically? Are you taking any immune therapeutic kind of herbs and potions? Uh, are you getting out in the sun? Are you reading inspiring books or texts or audio casts or music or, and that kind of thing? I think all of those things have a role to play. And we're going to learn a lot through this whole crisis with everybody involved. And, and there's also a good amount of information to suggest that this is getting blown out of proportion in some regards, and it's getting ignored and minimized in other accounts. So it's like, well, where's the, where's uh, the truth true. in it all? <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, I've been having, I've been not sleeping great. And a lot of my dreams, like every single night, there's some dream involving like wearing masks, if I'm not wearing masks or, well, uh, like anxiety or it, it, it's, it's like, I can't escape it. It's almost more in my dreams than in my day-to-day reality. And because I've been, when I have been doing creative things or I feel really good, maybe that's when I'm feeling inspired. Like you're saying, that's when I feel the most like charged and okay. Mm-hmm. I've also been doing a lot of saunas. I have a wood fired sauna here. Nice. And that's been help for stress. And also I feel like it's boosting my immune system, which feels good. Yeah. Um, It'll do both those, particularly with this virus. And that's another part of my understanding is that this virus mm -hmm. is not, is very contagious, but it's also brittle and it doesn't like heat. So being able to raise your own core body temperature and being in a sauna and actually getting your, your respiratory tract hotter, the virus doesn't tend to replicate as much. And that's part of why the body generates fever so that it can burn it out. Right. So I think that's actually good practice. So I'm hearing you talk about like this holistic approach, which makes sense to me as far as the, I mean, it sounds like you could be exposed to the virus and theoretically, just like any other coronavirus or cold, uh, not like kill it before it manifests in your body, like Mm -hmm. and not get, not get sick. Not that you have it, you're asymptomatic, but that you actually don't, it doesn't like get into your system and thrive. Is that possible? Mm -hmm. Do you know? Yeah, your your system's able to marshal its resources quicker to identify the issue. And that may have some play with previous exposures and how quickly a person may have bounced back. Or if there was anything underlying, that's why right. um, mm-hmm. predisposed conditions or other comorbid issues, chronic inflammation, chronic infectious etiologies, um, chronic low valency or vitality in the immune system. Like if you got your blood drawn and you saw chronically, I have low, low neutrophil or lymphocyte or just W, 
white blood cell counts in general, then maybe I wouldn't be able to marshal. Like I don't have a big enough army yet at a baseline to generate um, a response. So there's a lot of individual physiologic issues in that kind of arena. And doing things like alternating contrast therapies, hot, cold plunges. So getting in a sauna and then doing a cold dunk. Sauna, yeah, cold dunk, sauna. I mean, sure. these, are, these are some of the oldest practices that we've had. And the people that live in some of the most brutal conditions do the these Russians. kinds of, yeah, <laughs> Siberians, Russians, Scandinavians. This is like daily practice, just what you do. Yeah, yeah I got into that. I spent time in graduate school in, in Russia and Moscow and the banyas there. I was all about it. You know, the, the super hot and you hit yourself with the birch yeah, uh, and wear the little hats and then you jump <laughs> into the, the green water. <laughs> it's ice right. cold. And so my, my place in Utah, I have a big feed tub that I fill up with cold water and do the sauna into that. And I know I've heard it's really good for you, but what is it about that that's so good? Well, it's a contrast therapy, right? So it'll... And there's a lot of different ways to get contrast therapies. One of those would be the classic is a sauna, an ambient temperature sauna. Infrared saunas are good too because they penetrate deeply, but there's also a lot of good data to suggest that ambient temperature, which means like you're heating the air as opposed to driving infrared waves into your tissues, can be just as effective and maybe even more effective, especially if we're talking about generating higher heat to burn out a flu. So you go into this high temperature state and then really low temperature, cold exposure state. And you can do that through cryo, cryo, ambient cryo, air cryo, or cold dunks. Um, those tend to uh, get a little bit more of the freak out at a cellular level because the body's actually thinking, oh shit, I'm going to die. Everybody wake up. And, and this is good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. It's that like stressful response mm -hmm. that the healthy degree of stressful response, that hormetic response, it's actually, it's like flexing a muscle, like going into the gym and flexing a muscle. You're flexing a muscle. Mostly okay. in this regard is both related to the immune system and the lymphatic system. So it's activating your, your endogenous immunotherapy and the lymphatic system. And when you get hot, your lymphatic system expands and then we get cold, it contracts. So if you do that several times, you go this really expansive, super contractive, really expansive, super contractive. And then through how that supports hormones and, and the, immune, like the, the vitality in the immune system, it stimulates over time these things called hold, cold shock and heat shock proteins. And that has a litany of downstream effects. One of those being longevity, as well as the ability to fight off infections and like manage crisis really well. It also helps us live longer. So ideally- Mitochondria? Um, it'll have a secondary effect on the mitochondria, but it's not necessarily a mitochondrial food source or like doesn't necessarily generate directly ATP production um, for your um, like safety deposit box, so to speak, or your- like the ability to store energy over a long period of time. It uses energy in the immediacy to be able to up-level all your physiologic functions. Things that build higher ATP production over a longer period of time would be things like exogenous NAD, which NAD is a, is a it's like a B vitamin complex that is 
specific for generating ATP production, which is in cellular energy that you can build up over time and you get more and more NAD injections or IV therapeutics and you essentially build your mitochondrial load, get rid of the old guys that don't work as well and then generate the new ones. That's ageism, man. Just getting rid of the old, old. <laughs> it totally is. It's very, um, it, it, it's very directional in that regard. They have wisdom, the old mitochondria. They, <laughs> there are elders. Yeah. Absolutely. You can't just cast them aside. No, but in all seriousness, do you, so if you were trying to put together like a various cocktail of recommendations, everyone's, it's going to be different for everyone, of course just the things that can help us get through this. Um, and now some of this is going to be, are you a supplement kind of believer in this? Or is it more about, no, we need sunshine. We need positive like messages. We need, we need uh, stress relief. You know, are those like a bigger payoff in a way? Uh, if I was to orient towards either of those, I would say building up our maintenance immunotherapy or our endogenous army, start with the basics. Sleep is going to be your best support. Sunshine quickly after that. Um, the, and I think of them like the 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 um, nature's medicine and nature's law. Ide- identifying and optimizing oxygenation, identifying and op- op- optimizing light sources. So full spectrum light therapy being in and now because we're getting into the springtime there's the expectation that this viral load is going to wane because it doesn't like heat and doesn't like um, high light, really good therapeutic exposure. And mostly that's because vitamin D is a pro-hormone, but it's also significantly supportive for the immune system. Why is it then? Why is it thriving in Australia and stuff right now when it's in summer? Because I was just down there and like literally when I left, it was just starting to take off. And uh, I get the sense that that is because it's so contagious and so it just made again, its way. Yeah, if if you have a huge contagion load, like if you're mm-hmm. around 90 people that don't, you know, that that have active infection and your endogenous immune system is pretty strong, then maybe it's like <laughs> the okay corral. You know, you're not sure if he's going to shoot you, but you know his <laughs> gun's loaded. <laughs> you may dodge a bullet, but ideally you're going to be in a low contagion zone. So I think these are just I mean best we know, these are kind of rough rules. Um, but I, for me, it's always helpful to start with the basics. Cause if you don't start with the basics, then you're always trying to play catch up it means eat well, sleep well, get in the light, you know, full body exposure, at least 10 to 15 minutes each side. Most people's vitamin D levels, particularly coming out of the winter is super low. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a clinic in Portland for five years. And when we checked people's vitamin D level, the average in the winter time was 15. Yeah, dude, and, I live there. I took supplements for that I, reason. It was scary. For that, me. Right, because yeah. you, you, you experience what seasonal affective disorder can feel like. It's real. <laughs> it's yeah. a real freaking thing. And, and it's not just vitamin D that your skin cells are going to produce because they're getting full sun exposure. It's also that bright light exposure into your um, uh, optic chiasm of your, the back of your retina. So you start to stimulate these chromophores in the back of your eyeball that also have pro-hormone and pro-neurochemical effects. So it starts to optimize your endogenous neurochemistry and all of your hormones, the three primary being adrenals, thyroid, and gonads. 
And so when, you're, when your hormones are low, because that's going to be the utilization of energy, um, you're going to be able to fight things off better. You just generally have a stronger kind of internal battery. Same thing with, with sleep. You know, there's such a, a movement around nootropics and biohacking. And I love geeking out on that stuff for sure. But sleep, we know sleep is the number one cognitive performance agent on the planet. And, and we, you can't get around that. And if you're constantly taking supplements, but you're sleeping shitty, then you're always going to be taking supplements. So you might as well start with the basics, move, get outside, stay inspired, etc., and then go from there. And if, if people have done all the basics, and that includes knowing your sleep metrics, whether it's an aura ring or some other kind of sleep tracking device, some people will say, it's kind of like if you ask people if they have a regular bowel movement, most people will say yes. And then you ask them specifically, like, how often do you have a bowel movement? Oh, once a week, but it's regular. Once a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had clients say that. I'm like, well, wow. Okay, well, let's make sure we're having the same conversation. So let me be more specific yeah. with my questioning. So if I ask people if they sleep well, sure, I sleep great. Okay, tell me more about that. Oh, I go to sleep at 10, I wake up at six and start my day. Okay, do you, do you wake up during the night? Yes, I wake up three or four times, but I go back to sleep. Okay, do you ever dream? No, I don't ever dream. Do you, do you ever go through periods of times where you feel less energized and more energized? Yeah, every once in a while, I feel really good after I sleep. So if I start getting into the narrative, it might just be that every once in a while, that person feels good when they're getting to sleep when they wake up the next morning, because that's the only time they're getting really good, deep restorative sleep. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, okay, well, are you getting real bright, intense screen time, blue light exposure late at night? Are you staying up watching really intense images or fear-based media? Um, are you on social media all the way up until like your head hits the pillow? Do Does the back of your headboard sit right under the smart meter in your house? you know, on the other side of the wall, all of those things are going to contribute to excellence or, or suboptimal sleep. So we start to unpack it in a way that gets deeper into the weeds so that it's not just a checkbox on a questionnaire. Do you sleep well? Yes. Okay. Move on and go to the next one. So we really need to get under the hood. What is somebody's nutritional status? What is their, um, their, their baseline, what I would just describe as life metrics, how they live their life, how they engage stress reduction. Do they, do they tend to walk around in a really wonky heart rate variability or coherence? Because we know that if you're in states of gratitude and inspiration, it uplevels your DHEA, which is a pro-hormone for your adrenals and makes all your other hormones. If you have repressed emotions of um, anxiety, or fear, that's going to lead to heart disease. We know that the data is good there. So this is just an acceleration of what we know to be true in integrated medicine and mind-body connection. And if we've taken care, so let's just say we've taken care of all of that, lifestyle metrics, lifestyle generally is pretty freaking good. It's going to be hard to up-level it beyond here. If that's the case and people want to do extra work or if they've already been doing that kind of work and their immune system is still compromised for some other reason, then yes, let's use supplementation. And ideally, we use it periodically so our system doesn't get totally um, 
uh, like dependent on it and reconfigured and recalibrated to it. Kind of like if somebody's on an antidepressant or some kind of neurochemical support, our neurochemistry will adjust to it. Or you take an exogenous testosterone, your own endogenous testosterone production will, will recalibrate to it. And ideally, we're still boosting our own ability to, to work physiologically and optimally. So I tend to think, let's optimize all these other things first. Stay inspired, stay optimistic, make sure that you're getting good information. Um, take care of the people around you. Have your resource built from a place of abundance as, a place, as opposed to a place of scarcity and hoarding and freak out. All of those things I expect are, are just as limiting and detrimental to the health of the, and in the integrity of the immune system. So let's build up all that, make sure that we've really stockpiled our endogenous resources and then bring things from the outside or the exogenous resources. Sure. I mean, it feels kind of like what we're going through is more of a mental health crisis than a physical crisis. And it's certainly going to continue that, that, that graph and that curve of, uh, stress and, and depression, perhaps even suicide, uh, as evidenced by people losing their jobs and what that can do and, or just kids not being in school and now you're homeschooling at the same time or the existential threat just of your own death now coming up sort of on a daily process. You're thinking about it a lot more than you haven't before. Um, stress it's, in itself, we know is very difficult for the body, very yeah. detrimental. And so here we are at this time where like, Maybe that's maybe, you know, a magnitude of a hundred times worse for everyone is the stress we're going through individually and collectively. We, we know chronically that stress is the number one indicator of chronic disease. We know that acutely it's, it's, it's still a little equivocal to know how much because everybody's got their own ability to handle stress differently. Some people thrive in crisis particularly people that were born into a really crisis, Christ-filled environment tend to work really well because that's their normative. It's not the ideal, but that's what's familiar. And the ego tends to orient to what's familiar. That's why most people are going through a, cri- a freak out right now because what we're in the midst of is not familiar. Mm, exactly. And so if some people orient towards crisis, that means their nervous system can actually settle around crisis. And they can, and they are oftentimes our best leaders because they're able to look at things more objectively, see the terrain for what lies ahead, not get so worked up into the emotionality of making um, irrational decisions. And so if, if a person's able to settle their nervous system and move through the crisis, then oftentimes that person can be a leader in their family or their tribe or their community or, or at the cultural level. So if we know that, that stress is the number one cause of chronic disease and the number one cause of stress for most people is time urgency, at least in today's crazy technology-filled click of a button, new information widget uh, race, it, um, it's an opportunity, again, to slow down, to make sure that we're taking full, deep, breaths. I know this sounds cheesy and you know, even from the perspective of mind-body medicine, which has only been on the landscape for the last 30 years, a lot of people still think that that science doesn't hold value. Well, if you do something like Brahmari meditation, which is 
slow inhale and then double slow exhale where you're humming on the exhale. So it vibrates your vagal nerve. And your vagal nerve is very much responsive for the, the health and integrity of your nervous system. And that means if you're in fight or flight and you can stimulate the vagal nerve, it'll move you over into rest and digest or move you from sympathetic to parasympathetic. We know that. I've been medically directing a, a center here in outside of Denver called Revive, where um, our focus is working with people with traumatic brain injury and concussion and stroke. So we're very <laughs> mm-hmm. clear about how to optimize the nervous system. And one of those consistent variables is to be able to, to stimulate and support vagal tone. And what is what else does that? Singing, chanting, <laughs> um, yeah. being able to get in high vibe states where you're having deep diaphragmatic pranayama, or this is the old science of breath and the physiologic benefit of breath. So in yoga, a lot of people know that as the ujjayi breathing or like, you know, the Darth Vader yeah. breath. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, all of that stimulates vagal tone. All of that is first defense. Well, it's first conscious defense, right? Our first defense physiologically is our immune system. Um, even like behind that is our thought field and our attitude. And then our conscious defense is things like breathing and regulating our nervous system on our own. So all of those things, you're, you're totally right, man, which is we are going through a massive mental health crisis right now. And it's because a lot of people don't have an, an attitude around crisis resiliency and the meaning of um, a potential hiccup in the system. Which big means like hiccup. big <laughs> hiccup. And can, yeah. we, can, we, can we use this crisis as an opportunity for transformation? Because crisis precedes transformation every time. And if we know that something healthy and important is going on here because we have not been living sustainably on the planet. There's a ton of really good data. It's really hard to argue that at this trajectory that our planet is in, there's going to be a continuously happy and healthy place in another 10, 20, 50, 100 years down the road, right? It's, it's been getting more toxic. 70 or so species go extinct every day. We only know 3% of the biodiversity in the Amazon River Basin, which is like the size of Connecticut burning every day, or at least was when the fires are really strong. I mean, there's a massive, massive ecological crisis happening. And we've also just been inundated with so much information, so much like doing and busyness and like, where's the pause? So this is just like a big kind of rewriting the balance of it. And, and that's not to minimize people's suffering and the fact that there are a lot of people that are understandably in crisis because like you said, they, a lot of people are losing their jobs or now have to manage kids being home or themselves or their loved ones being sick. And a lot of people will die through this. But there are also 5 million kids that died from starvation last year. Mm-hmm. There are also 50,000 U.S. citizens alone that died from suicide last year. These, these are big numbers, and mm. those were also epidemics. And so what, where was our kind of cultural and global response to that? Yeah, the opioid. I mean, that's been going on for a long There's so many. Uh, and I feel like one thing that this uh, pandemic has done is it has exposed so many of the social holes that we already that we already had, and now mm-hmm. they're laid bare. 
Mm-hmm. And some of the ones that are more, they pull your heartstrings, but they've been kind of limping along. I mean, anything from the homeless contracting this to prison populations to the, the guy that I heard about on the daily who is like 75 and an Uber driver because he fell a few years ago. So he can't do his master picture framing job anymore. And this is all he can do, but there's no retirement option. Uh, and he has um, diabetes. So basically he, he shouldn't be driving Uber right now. But there's right. no, there is no net for him. Right. And he just has this sort of, um, you know, he's just resigned to like, well, you know, this is the way it is. And that makes me cry. I'm like, that's, it shouldn't be. Let alone the people who lose their jobs who are the hotel maids. It's already a difficult job. And now there's nothing for them. Right. Or everybody else. So he just goes on and on and on. Uh yeah, And a lot of people identify with their jobs anyway. So you take that away and it's like, whether they have left, you've pulled the rug out from under them. Now they have to be with themselves as just themselves. They can't even identify with their social roles. It's like, who am I? Right. What do I stand on? Right. Have I done any work on this? Have I even looked around in there to see who I am? Right. Yeah. Yeah. This, these are really good points, man. And it's such, unfortunately, it takes a crisis for us to wake up it does. individually. It it, 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 that's what gets our biggest attention and our best teachers tend to be our biggest challenges. So the crisis is what wakes us up, it motiv- motivates us and mobilizes us for change. And that is also happening and reflected in the collective. Like we're going through this big crisis. And so it is this big pause. And ideally it does give us time to reflect. What do we believe in? What do we have faith in? Viktor Frankl's book is always just so telling and touching for me, Man's Search for Meaning. And when you know his backstory and what he went through, he set the bar high. Because he's going to, he went through things that we're 99 point, you know, percent of us will never have to go through. And he came out with meaning. And when he did that and he laid down that book in nine days after he got out of the concentration camp, still top 100 books of all time, I knew that because he had such such a strong bar at our ability to choose. And in the summary statement in that book, the last of the great human freedoms is the ability to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance. <laughs> and when he laid that down, I was like, you know, if he can do it, anybody can do it. Jesus said that. Gandhi said that. MLK said that. Like all the avatars have said that. We are all made of the same cosmic dust. We're all made of the same consciousness potential. And ideally, this is one of those times where we really start to reflect, how are we living? How do we choose to live? How do we choose to live together? And do we choose to let go of some of our own inconveniences to make sure that we are serving and living as a collective better? That it's not just about me, mine, and I, but it might be about me, we, and all. And what would $2 trillion six months ago gone to support if we were looking at real social change and social infrastructure and supporting prison populations towards rehabilitation and supporting poverty stricken folks like this Uber driver that you're talking about who just had, you know, Pema Children says really well, when bad things happen to good people, we we remember our humanity and this preciousness of this one life. And I might be a freaking Uber driver, you know, whoever knows how long because some really just uncomfortable thing happened to me. But all of this really calls back into question our faith. What do we believe in? People have faith move through crisis as opportunity. 
People that don't have faith move through crisis as suffering and become more disempowered through it. And it's just such a, it, it, the equation is simple and it's, and it's not easy. And usually it's our crisis that, that really calls into question our faith and helps us. And I don't necessarily mean religious faith, but just what do we believe in? Do we yeah, believe well, in anything? And you do see divergent futures emerging simultaneously because there are ideas happening that we've sort of, at least on the progressive front, been fighting for. Like we're basically implementing the early forms of universal basic income that just happened with like everyone's getting a check and people are starting to talk about some of these things like well, maybe this how are we how are we going to get through the next six months if people don't work we, th- we have to come up with solutions because it's literally impossible so people are scrambling whether it's loans that will be forgiven from the government but they're all forms of basically redistributing income and wealth to help people out and I see that as a, a positive benefit that we're starting to dream in ways that we're being forced to do that are ways that we we're too fra- afraid to do before. But mm-hmm. other people have been talking about like, well, this is the future of like, really like we have enough for everyone. So let's mm-hmm. just figure it out. Now we're being forced to do it. Now, certainly there are naysayers who are against these things. And that will always be the case where there's this friction of it all happening. But there is that thing emerging. And and that is a, a benefit of this process, you know, and people wanting to find ways to help. I think most people are wanting to feel purposeful and helpful. And there's a sense of solidarity amongst all people on earth right now mm-hmm. of all shapes and colors and size and races, because as you said, it doesn't discriminate. Right. I mean, even, even like the military is starting to figure out like, what do we do when like our entire force can't fight or what happens mm-hmm. when like it gets onto a nuclear submarine i guess that submarine's got to come up <laughs> and it's right. like and we have to and we start to think like even like our nuclear the idea of having uh, nuclear arms as a way of keeping the peace in the world that's just a collective agreement like we could theoretically all say we don't want it anymore right and just stop yeah yeah this is a, a great equalizer in so many ways 100% what what a what a way to bring the family of humanity back together than to have a global crisis that doesn't discriminate. Yeah, we all bleed red, and it's like this thing it, it hits all of us the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. With even these kind of conversations, you know, twenty years ago, if I was having our if I was hearing our conversation, it would have landed in a particular way that would have opened my mind stream up. And, it, and it, it's helpful for me to remember that consciousness is always evolving. The universe is always evolving. Everything is always evolving. And, and thankfully, we just get better and better at honing in on our own authentic truth. And there have been times in the past where I was really locked down into the me, mine, and I. Mm-hmm. And, and I wasn't as interested or even connected to the collective or even the thought of it. It really wasn't taught to me. It wasn't taught to me so much by my family system. They weren't against it. They just weren't necessarily continuously reinforcing that 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 interconnectivity mindset. wasn't taught to me in school. Most of these things we just bungle around and learn on our own. Yeah, man. Through, Hard through knocks of the street. Yeah, here <laughs> totally. it is. Like it's we're totally. we're being taught now. Yeah, I, I it's something that I don't think we're going to be going back to. Some people are holding on to like we're going back to normal, quote unquote. And when will that be? Will that be in six months? Will that be in eight months, two months, whatever? Mm. Uh, I don't think, I think something died. And 
something new is being born, as it always is. It's an illusion that we're holding on to anything, really. But whatever is emerging, it will probably be a hybrid of like things from the past and, and a new story and new ways of being that we have to do. We'll be forced to. And the more we lean into the things that are sort of exciting us and the curiosity is like, well, I could, I could try this new thing and I don't know if it's going to work and I don't know how it's going to build, but it's something about it's interesting. And I've never done that before. I never would have done that before. It's probably an avenue of our future versus propping up an old way of the past and trying to keep make it work so it can limp along and exist in this, this system where it's not existing, it's not working anymore. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes even to just like, my partner has a, a yoga studio that has a pretty expensive rent and the whole building has you know a bunch of tenants in it. None of them are open. They're all legally not required to be opened, but they're supposed to pay rent. I'm just like, I don't think you should pay rent. <laughs> it's like, just don't do it. Uh, you know, it's like, these are problems we have to figure out. It's like the whole, the whole gears of the system relies on everyone agreeing that this is the system. And now we've pulled out a bunch of the parts yeah, and so we just now we have to decide collectively how we want to move forward because it mm-hmm. is a collective decision. It really is. There's mm-hmm. no there's no man behind the curtain who's making those decisions. We're just agreeing that that's how we want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why Margaret Mead's so fond of saying never underestimate a group of empowered, envisioned people to change the world because that's all whoever has. And so when we get to come together and share our ideas, share our voices, um, start to generate new and novel ways of thinking about the system in a different way, thinking about the collectivization of our resources and how we want to live in this one precious life and how we want to leave this one precious life. Have we come to terms with our death? It's a good time to ask that question. What, what have I not done up to this point that I really want to do? How do I want to be remembered? How do I want to see the world be offered to the next generation and the next seven generations and beyond? Like really get into the weeds of those questions and not just, just you know, ponder them for a few seconds between remote control tabs. Um, I think this is an opportunity for us to understand that we get to create the system together. There might be things that are out of our immediate trajectory to, to transform overnight, like our, our um, dependency on fossil fuels and whether or not you even believe that that's a good thing to do or not. I mean, there's, there's arguments in both directions, but at least let's care. Let's get off the couch and care. Let's motivate our unique individual genius because there's never been another you and there will never be another you or me or anybody. So we all have this unique thing that just we're here to do and just we're here to offer and just we're here to see in our own unique crystallization of the divine matrix and our own unique genius that's come in during this one precious life. I tend to think, I tend to, my three laws for living, happiness is our blueprint, choice is our power, and life is our school. And I'm not saying that those are the, 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 the gospels, but those have gotten me through the hard times. If I know that happiness is my blueprint, then I can have faith that, that the universe is benevolent. If I can see life as school, then every challenge becomes an opportunity to learn and grow. And I also tend to believe that 
the soul's evolutionary path is outside of just this one body. And if I can see as our choice is our greatest power, like Viktor Frankl's work in that quote, then I get to choose my attitude. Even in the midst of a crazy calamity and crisis, I get to choose how I respond. And I get to optimize my attitude and, and be of service and see how, how much I can lean in and, and shine lights on all those shadow parts that are hurt and scared and still wounded and, that's, and, and embrace that as a part of my humanity. These are just examples of, of an opportunity that, that we have in the time of a pause to orient to what our own laws for living are. What do we choose our laws for living? I call them like our maxims. What are our maxims? And, um, and, and to get really clear on the ones that make the most sense for us and then anchor our lives around those. And ideally, they move from the me, mine, and I to the us and the we and the all and to be able to serve this whole like awesome family of humanity in the best way. Because in, in, at the end of the day, that tends to be the, the grit and the, and the grist and the material for the life that's going to be the most well-lived and most fulfilled. I couldn't agree more. I've been uh, writing about some of this stuff and <laughs> it's it's the same idea about uh, centering around our ability to choose and the importance of that, sort of like that being the mechanism of why we're here. Well, mm-hmm. that's good for, it's, I think that's sort of a good place to kind of come to a close too is, is sort of recognizing people thinking about the way they choose their way through this because it feels like something's happening to us which in essence there is a wave happening to us, but then we get to choose, you know, how we want to navigate through it. We have choices mm-hmm. to make and to remember that is important. It's important mm-hmm. to think about, uh, I'm not just being thrown around the storm. It's like, there is a storm, but I'm going to be like the one choosing my direction through it. At least mm-hmm. I can point that ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll see where things are at you know, in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a dynamic time, but thank you so much for, for diving in and giving us a, you know, a broader perspective, plus some of the, some thoughts and details just about the mechanism, of our bodies and souls and how it operates through this. It's been, it's been good. Yeah. It's, it's always a pleasure to have a good conversation with you, East Forest. I think this is our second and, mm-hmm. uh, may there be others. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, awesome, man. man. Yeah. We'll be in touch. Thanks so much, Dr. Dan. Always good to talk. Found it very illuminating. It was good to reconnect. This song that you're hearing in the background is the Please Pass the Bliss Nick Mulvey rework from the Reworks album. All the reworks that we did for Ram Dass. I really, really love this one. Uh, Nick and I worked very closely together on this track, so uh, it's close to home. And I, I was mixing it and writing and helped co-writing it with him when I was in China in November. So I was just thinking back to being there in November and then tracking the outbreak of COVID-19 in December in Wuhan, China, and then keeping an eye on it ever since then, kind of feeling like this was going to keep going. And here we are. Here we are. Uh, Stay strong, my friends. Stay strong. Thanks for giving the podcast a review. I will see you next week. Many more conversations, meditations, musics, and musings. Did I say musics? Well, it's all to come. It's all to come. You guys keep walking your walk. Don't take any shit. But if you do, do it with grace. Our perception of the soul is love, 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 love.
the soul. 